You're listening to the DC Comics Chronicles, where we cover every adventure from the streets of Gotham to the skies of Metropolis and into the depths of Atlantis with your hosts, Adam and Chris. Welcome to another episode of the DC Comics Chronicles. As always, I'm your host, Adam, and with me is my co-host, Chris. Chris, how's it going? Hey, Adam, I'm doing great, man. Happy to be here with you once again. How are you this evening? Doing well, doing well. It's a, it's a, it's a good time to be a fan, uh, specifically DC, obviously, because we're here talking DC, but even more specifically, Batman and Bat- Batman-related characters. And we've got some stuff to talk about tonight. Um, the main topics that we're going to cover are a lot of news and, and rumors and set picks uh, regarding the the currently filming HBO Max Batgirl uh, film. And then we will give a little love and attention to Batman, the 1966 live action TV series, because it just celebrated its 56th anniversary recently. And it had a major uh, factor in, you know, determining Batman's uh, history or shaping Batman's history, I should say. And I think it's uh, it's deserving of some discussion. <clears throat> so that's what we're going to do. So let's get right down to it, Chris. Um, All right. As we know, currently in Glasgow, Scotland, uh, Batgirl is being Filmed by the directors of Bad Boys for Life, which I won't pronounce their names because I will botch it. Um, so I'm not even going to go there. Um, but out of respect for them more than anything else. Because uh, I don't care if I sound like a fool or not. That happens all the time. So it doesn't bother me. But out of respect for them, I, I, won't, uh, I won't butcher their names. Um, and it is, of course, starring uh, Leslie Grace as Batgirl Barbara Gordon. It's also co-starring J.K. Simmons as her father, Commissioner James Gordon. And it is starring Michael Keaton as Bruce Wayne slash Batman. As we talked about in our last episode, that was finally revealed which Batman was going to be. It was the mystery of, of, uh, of the internet. Um, but now it's revealed. So as of this recording, last week, was very interesting in terms of Batgirl, uh, Chris, because it started out with set photos, and the first one was of a mural that was being mounted onto a wall, like you know, a set, a set prop mural, mural that was being mounted on the wall. And the, the first couple pictures, all you could see was Batman, and it was very clearly meant to invoke. Michael Keaton's Batman. It had the yellow oval, you know. Um, the bodysuit was a little different, but I don't know if you could infer that that's going to be the actual outfit he wears because, again, this is to be this is supposed to be an artist's interpretation. Like in the context of the story, it's an artist's interpretation of what Batman looks like. So you, you can't take that as, oh my God, this is exactly what Batman's going to look like. This is a new suit. We we don't know. For, for certain. But in a di- as we got more pictures of this mural, this mural had something very interesting, uh, Chris. And that was besides, beside Batman, was in fact Robin. And I'm talking about 
classic Robin with the whole, you know, short sleeved, green gloves, red red torso, you know, the, the, the shorts, the whole nine yards. It was like vintage, classic Robin. And it was side by side. Uh, the dynamic duo was together. Now, this is interesting because if there was no Robin in this world, I don't think an artist would randomly put, hey, hey look, I'm just going to draw, you know, I'm just going to draw this other character beside Batman. You know, clearly, well, you can infer from this, I think, maybe I'm off base, you tell me, but is that in whatever reshaped, reworked continuity this film inhabits post-Flash, Michael Keaton's Batman had a Robin. Is that fair to, to assume? I think so, and I'm glad you threw in the qualifier there, post-Flash, because that's the way we have to view all of these movies that are coming that are being released after Flash. Because yeah. whether the Flash, quote, resets the universe or whatever it may be... I think they're going to quote erase, but yeah. yeah. Well, or <laughs> that's that, the buzzword now, you know, it's... it's, it's that's not, the it's, hat. There's a lot of hats. the word, it's... Um, but no, I think that's fair to say. And so that opens up the question of, is this Chris O'Donnell's Robin? Is it a different Robin? It, it, does this follow directly be, behind Batman Returns? And did Batman Forever and Batman and Robin take place? As far as I understand it, and again, things could have changed, but this is just what we know from official announcements so when michael keaton was revealed to be in talks finalizing a deal however you want to word the, the situation it was reported that the flash would disregard batman forever and batman and robin so those films did not count michael keaton's history is continuing off of solely batman returns Gotcha. So, and look, I count myself as a fan of Batman Forever. This is not a disparaging thing. What I just said is not me disparaging Batman Forever. I like that film. In that film, Chris O'Donnell was pretty damn good as Robin. The follow-up, not so much, but in, in Forever, you know, I'm, I'm on board. But that's that doesn't count anymore. So now you, you have to think... Okay, if that doesn't count. Now I looked at that looking at that mural because remember in in Batman film history there was a time when uh, Marlon Wayans was cast as Robin. Right? It's even kind of reflected in the Batman 89 comic book that we're reviewing on this very channel. Um that Marlon, you know, that's the Marlon Wayans interpretation of Robin. Looking at this mural that don't look like no Marlon Wayans. Obviously, clearly. So the comic that we're reading is not canon either. Even though right. it's pretty damn fantastic. Um, but so at some point from 1992 to 2022 slash three, Michael Keaton's Batman went out crime fighting with Robin. There have been reports since this mural came out from what I consider to be reliable uh, people in the scoop 
you know, industry that say that what the Robin that is in question here is Dick Grayson, that Dick Grayson will be in Batgirl, and this will all lead to a Nightwing film. So, and there was a list of potential names that apparently have tested at Warner Brothers, like a final, final four or five. I can't remember the names, um, but I do know that the name being tossed around is pretty much, if these rumors are true, Warner Brothers has made their selection and it's only a matter of time before we get an official announcement. And according to these rumors, um, that individual is Dylan O'Brien, who was, of course, in uh, Teen Wolf, the TV show, the Maze Runner films, and he co-starred with Michael Keaton uh, in American Assassin. I believe it was around 2014 or so. Uh, if he is in it, looking at him from a visual standpoint, I could definitely see Dick Grayson there. Sure. Um, so if that's the choice, I'm on board. But again, I'm not a casting director. I'm not a director. I don't know what goes into ca the casting process. So whoever, if the rumors are true, whoever gets cast as Dick Grayson, whether it's Dylan O'Brien or not, I'm going to give the dude a chance. Because like I said, casting directors are, are hired for a reason. They have a better eye for this stuff than I do. <laughs> you know, so I'm going to trust them and wait for the performance to make a judgment. But that idea of Dick Grayson potentially popping up is a cool one. I dig that. Sure. And leading to a Nightwing film, yes, please. Like that's that's on my list of things I want. Because remember, uh, there was at one point, yeah, Chris McKay, the director of uh, right. the Lego Batman movie, was I going was to write. Just going to bring direct. that up. Yeah. So yeah. So if if they can resur resurrect that, then. I'm I'm all for it. And again, that got if you listen to Chris Bacay, that kind of got pushed to the side because at that time period, remember, Dick Grayson was dead in this in the in the Snyderverse because right. Snyder had chosen to kill him off, which I disagree with, but uh, whatever. So this reshaped world is giving us Dick Grayson again, apparently, and it's giving us a potential chance for a Nightwing film. So that's cool. Um, it's also been confirmed through the set picture, uh, Chris, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, Barbara Gordon is a GCPD police officer. That is not, to my understanding, now granted I'm not, you know, I don't have hundreds of Batgirl comics sitting in my collection, I, I'll admit. So I don't know if this has ever happened in the comics, but in this universe continuity, she's a GCPD officer. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, like you, haven't read hundreds of Batgirl comics. Um, my favorite Batgirl is the kind of college age, um, well... My favorite Batgirl is uh, right now is from Harley Quinn, the TV show. That's my that's my favorite. Oh, Batgirl. sure, yeah, yeah, sure. 
Um, but, you know, we have seen a Commissioner Barbara Gordon in the Titans TV show. Indeed. So yeah. at, at some point, obviously, she was an officer. She's a commissioner. So this could be piggybacking on that. Sure. Um, it, but it also, you know, it creates an interesting dynamic between her and her father if she is on the force and he's the commissioner. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a good call. And look, her her being a police officer, when she goes out as Batgirl for the first time, she has some training behind her. So it's not like, you know, uh, the, the countless sidekicks that Arrow had in the Arrow show, and I'm not disparaging it. I liked Arrow a lot, but you you know as well as I do, the, people would come into Oliver's life, and in one day of training, man, they were experts at fighting, at uh, at uh, archery. So it's like at least she has a background, you know, to defend herself. So it's more plausible that hey, she's going to go out in the streets and attempt to to stop criminals because maybe the system is failing uh, the, the citizens of Gotham and she chooses to be inspired by Batman and, and does this, at least she has some some minimal or some degree of training. So that makes it a little slightly more believable than, you know, hey, I'm a librarian, now I'm going to go outside. And, and, and now, again, not disparaging librarians, maybe they take martial arts classes on the side. I don't know. I'm just saying, her being a police officer gives a little bit more legitimacy to the whole thing. Uh, you still have to suspend disbelief, but I, you know, in the context of the superhero genre, it makes a little bit more sense. Sure. The another thing that was put to rest was: is she going to have red hair or not? She's going to have red hair because we've seen her in the set pics with red hair. And again, I would I have would I have screamed on Twitter and said, "I'm not watching this if she doesn't have red hair." Of course not. I'm not crazy. You know, I would, that's not a deal breaker. <laughs> but I mean, people may say I'm crazy, but for that stuff, I'm not crazy. Um, do I like the fact that she has red hair? Of course. All things sure. being equal, I'm happy that it's as comic accurate as it can be. So that's a good thing to me. Um, the, the, the real kind of, Interesting. Well, I mean, obviously the mural was, was interesting, but the, the real, you know, um, big splash came on uh, Friday evening. Right. When Leslie Grace herself, I'm assuming with the permission of Warner Brothers, right, because one would hope. <laughs> otherwise, she'd be in some big trouble. But uh, with the permission of Warner Brothers, dropped on her Instagram and Twitter um, a the first look of her in costume as Batgirl. Um, now, what I found interesting was in her tweet, she quoted, quoted a, a, a passage from year one, Batgirl year one. So we kind of know that that book is, a, is a, quite an influence on uh, the production. Um, which I, I'll confess, I haven't read year one yet. Batgirl year one? Nope, but, neither but have I've, I. I. What's that? Neither have I. I've heard a lot of good things about it, so I may have to track it down and give it a read um, at some point before the film drops. Um, but the image 
I like the the way the image is set up. Like she is on the near the edge of a building, um, uh, looking out over Gotham City, and this costume was definitely clearly not a hundred percent, but quite 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 closely ripped out of the comic book, specifically. Yeah. The 2014 redesign, which is the uh, w- w- which was first debuted in a, in an arc uh, called Batgirl of Burnside. It's got a it's very homemade. Like she puts it together herself, and and it's clearly evident from this picture. But it's purple and gold and. I'm surprised they went with that color scheme. I'm happy. Yeah. But I'm I'm surprised that they because because I'll be honest with you, when I <coughs> when I imagined what they were gonna put her in, I'm like, well, they're gonna they're gonna make it the what we're used to, you know, the molded rubber kind of thing that we've we've seen for what seven seven or eight films, however many it's been. So which is not a bad thing. That's what I expected, but we got this instead. And so being that it's very homemade and it's meant to look that way, and given that it's pulled almost directly from that comic, what are your thoughts, your initial thoughts of the suit? I think it looks great. It's got, like you mentioned, it's purple, which I'm glad they went with that color scheme. It's like a purple leather with the gold, Batgirl symbol across the chest. Yeah. She has the gold utility belt, and then it looks like gold on the inner lining of her cape. Um, yes. And I, I've seen it, like you mentioned, it looks very similar to the Batgirl run from the, from the t- 2010s. And I saw an image of them side by side on Twitter, and it looks fantastic, I think. Yeah, I really like the fact that she, like, the beauty of that picture is it's it's moody because we're in Gotham City and you know there's shadows and darkness and she's perched on a building and all that jazz. But then there's that splash of color and it's like you know between that between the Aquaman costume that he had in his movie, the peacemaker outfit, it's nice to see that that DC just like hey listen, our stuff is based on comic books, we can embrace that. I mean, if a filmmaker is willing to go comic booky, then Let's embrace it and go for it. I'm I'm cool with the ultra realism too. I'm cool with both ways, but when a, when a comic direct when a director of this comic property wants to go and lean into the comic bookness of, of it all, or bookiness, however you want to phrase that word, I, I I'm all for it. Like I love the splash of color we've been getting lately in these costumes in the color palette of the of the of the cinematography that in some of these these movies and shows. Like I'm really digging where where it's going here. You know, in that in that in that way, and in addition to being you know part of that 2014 or inspired by that 2014 uh, look, it also clearly has echoes of the 1966 Yvonne Craig outfit, and you gotta love that nod to to, to the past. It's great. I hope she has a bat cycle. I mean, what else is she riding around in? She has to have some sort of bad cycle I, I mean at what 
the question will be at what stage like what level of tricked out is it going to be if her if her comic costume is that comic accurate like what kind of motorcycle she ride like does it have bat iconography all over it mm. because because keaton's batmobile has like the bat symbol and the tire like if you remember the tire had the bat symbol in the in the rims so i mean does her would her potential bat cycle have that kind of motif to it too uh, i'm well, curious one would hope because pansons does it like pansons bike is a bike <laughs> nothing wrong with that it, it just is what it is you know there's it, there's not a bat logo on it you know what i mean um so that's why i'm saying i wonder if this will have i mean maybe not initially but once she meets up with keaton maybe then he's gonna be like listen if you're if you're riding around on my team we can't have you riding a regular <laughs> you know a regular uh vehicle it's got to be it's got to be you know top tier so it's going to be interesting to see which way they go in terms of that um look there, there are some people that did not take kindly to the suit uh, and that's their prerogative but i just find it interesting that there are people that will complain about pattinson's bad suit because it's not like Ben Affleck's or it's not like the comics. And and the Batgirl film gives us here, right from the comics. And right. now it's, oh no, well, why is why does it look like that? Well, it's like, okay. So which two, as fans, we've like, you could be like me and like both, or you, you've got to pick a lane and, and like, do you want it exactly like the comics? Or do you not? Like you'd be like, like Pick a lane, like it's like. How can these filmmakers please anybody if there's this constant? Be like the comics. Well, I don't like that. Don't be like the comics. You know, it's like, what what are we supposed to do here? So, and granted, I'm not so. And look, if it is the final suit, so be it. And it's just a still shot. We haven't even seen it in in motion yet. Right. But if it is the if it is the full suit. Let's say it's the final suit. She doesn't get an upgrade. So be it. However, we do have concept art. Remember at Fandom this year, this, or last, whatever, 2021, yeah. they released that concept art. That suit, even though it was from behind, you could tell her, you know, the gauntlets on her arm looked different. So it looked a little different. So to me, this is just, you know, common sense is kicking in now. This is homemade. When she meets Batman, again, he's going to say, well, we, we, we can't have you. We, like, you need to be more protective if you're going to run outside and, and try and take on criminals. You, you know, you need, you need an upgrade. And he's going to provide her with the upgrade. That's my theory. Are you, do you, is your theory that we see that occurring in this film? Will they not already be like a team i don't think they're gonna start out where where he's got batgirl beside him and they're running around okay punching firefly in the face i think it's a it's a a scenario where much like the comics she's inspired by the idea of batman 
and takes it upon herself to create this costume and this identity and go out there and and and, and fight crime and then she comes into contact with Batman. That's okay. how I think it's going to play out. <clears throat> well, it's going to be and it's going to be interesting to see that triangle of Batman, Batgirl, and Commissioner Gordon because yeah. Batman and Gordon are obviously, you know, work together and have for yeah. a long time. Now we're going to have Batman working with Batgirl most likely, but then Batgirl also works with her father on the police force. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be an interesting, a very interesting dynamic. Um, some of the interesting things, aside from the suit, so like I said, I'm fully on board with what they gave us, but part of me expects that there will be an upgrade at some some point. The other interesting things that you get with set pictures is they have outfitted, uh, you know, the, the indoor locations, like with magazines and, and other such things that you're going to see, you may see in passing as the characters are walking by a shelf or in a convenience store or what have you. And we've seen a couple of magazines, like the, the people have taken shots of it. And a couple of them are very interesting because one of them implies that it's a magazine, basically it's a retrospective of Vicki Vale's career in photojournalism. Like that's on the cover of the magazine. Right. So Vicky Vale from 1989's Batman exists in this universe. Sure. Makes sense. There's another magazine that has Black Canary on the cover. Like she's in the shadows. Like you don't see Journey Smollett Bell. It's like it's a shadowed image of her. But talking about how she's taken uh, the, the music scene by storm and all that stuff. So Black Canary, the one from Birds of Prey, exists in this universe. And there's speculation that she will indeed show up in a cameo kind of, kind of role. Right. Um, I've heard so that. she she exists, which I think is great. Give me a film with the actual legitimate comic book Birds of Prey, Huntress, you know, uh, uh, Black Canary and Batgirl. I want that uh, at some point. Uh, so she exists. Then there was another magazine that showed Lex Luthor in. Again, it was in shadow, so you couldn't see him. And it said something to the effect that Lex Luthor was hiring a new lawyer uh, in in his defense for his crimes of the Capitol bombings. And he was sitting in jail on this shadowed, shadowed image. So this 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 brings up an interesting point that I definitely want to get your thoughts on. So the Capitol bombing that is seemingly being referenced happened in BVS, right? The fact that Lex Luthor is in shadows. So now, Lex Luthor is in shadows. So that to me tells me they don't want to commit to Jesse Eisenberg as being right. the Lex Luthor. So if a recast is necessary down the road in the DC, in the new DCEU, it's doable. Second of all, the capital bombing, if they were erasing completely Man of Steel, BVS, and Justice League, why would they reference the Capitol bomb? It, I mean, it's obviously put in there for a reason. Right. These 
things don't make it into a scene uh, by accident. So they are referencing something that we have seen in the past in, what, five years ago, six years ago? Yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah. Now, so, like, now I'll confess. This could mean that maybe the capital bombing happened a, a slightly different way in this altered timeline than what we saw. But the fact that it happened, and that's what he's in jail for, says to me that a version of the events we've seen has taken place. The interesting thing, even more interesting, Chris, and I want to get your theory on my theory, is that according to this magazine, the way the cover shows and, and the little captions, Lex Luthor is still in prison. In both versions of Justice League, he was, by the end of it, he was no longer in prison. Mm. So my theory is that a version of events in BVS happened. I think when the new world takes shape at the end of Flash, I think it's going to be made clear that it was Keaton there for those events and not Affleck, but that a version of those events still happened. And if Lex is still in prison, does that mean in this new timeline, Superman is still dead and has yet to be resurrected? So by Lex being still in prison, you're saying that that would disregard Justice League yeah. because he had gotten out of prison. Yeah. Hmm. And if they're disregarding Justice League, then Superman could theoretically still be deceased. Right. Well, that's an easy way to not make another Superman movie if he's not alive. Well, and that's the thing. While they figure out what exactly, like, and so here's the thing. Like, if he's still, you know, dead, that's, like, if you were to take Supergirl from The Flash and give her her own movie, part of the plot could be, you know, because Flash or Batman or somebody's going to tell her about Kal-El, right? Somebody's going to explain that, hey, a relative of yours is running or was flying around and, and saving people in, in our world. So part of her endgame or part of a, a potential film for her, which we know is in the pipeline, could be how do we get my cousin back? Are we ready for a second resurrecting Superman storyline in what a ten year span? I mean, isn't that ground that we've I, already? It tried? is, but as long as we don't have to, as long as we don't have to do the whole doomsday thing again. I mean, I wouldn't. I guess I wouldn't mind doing the whole doomsday thing again, provided it was done a little bit differently. Well, okay, yeah, okay, that, that's true. <laughs> but but. Um, yeah, that's it's an you bring up an interesting point because if Lex if Lex is still in prison, I mean, so is this saying that when did that movie take place? Two thousand sixteen. BBS. Yeah. Yeah. Two thousand sixteen. So that's been six years. 
So in the magazine, did it sound like he was still awaiting trial or was he locked away? He's hiring new lawyers. And in the, in the okay. magazine picture, he's, he's in prison and like, like he's handcuffed and crouching. And all you see is his bald head and, and the shadow of, and then the big headline. Lex hires new uh, lawyers on capital bombing charge or, or whatever the exact. So if okay. he's hiring new lawyers, I don't think they let him out on bail. Or he was convicted and now he's appealing, which could be a thing. Um, but yeah, that's interesting that they would throw that in there. It's in there for a, a definite reason. And now you've got me kind of going through the possibilities of what it might be. So now either let's hypothetically, let's say they work something out with Cabo. You can, you can find a way to bring him, bring him in, bring him back, whatever. If they don't, if they can't work something out with Cabo and Supergirl is insisting on finding her again. Provided that Henry Cavill or or provided that Superman, whoever he may be, is her cousin. She's searching for her cousin. Maybe the multiverse she can't have the one that's deceased, but they bring in instead of Let's resurrect him with some hodgepodge convoluted thing. Let's, you know, the multiverse exists. She needs somebody to show her the ropes. Somehow an alternate Superman. For the sake of my pleasure, let's just say Brandon Ralph. Let's just spoil it. <laughs> they bring him in. He trains her. He's around and he's now in this reshaped version. He's Kingdom Comish Superman. And he's training her and mentoring her in a whole nine yards. Or, like I said, they work something out with Cavill. If we're all wrong, and she is, my other theory is that Sasha Kaye's Supergirl is the daughter of a Superman and a Lois. Again, it could still be Cavill and Amy Adams' version, or it could be the Reeve Ralph, Margot Kidder slash Bosworth version, like right. We don't know where, yeah. what timeline she comes from, what universe she comes right. from. We don't right. know when she is being pulled from wherever she's at into the Flash's story. So there are a lot of possibilities, but for the time being, while they're trying to sort out their Superman situation, Superman still being dead is a very plausible explanation for why isn't he around. Sure. So I find that very interesting, and that explains a lot. Uh, now, we could all be wrong, and this magazine could be from a flashback scene, and this was all for naught, but, like, I don't know. It just seems very specific to put it. I mean, if it was a flashback, why would you even put that in? A, like, if, if you were going to erase those events, as some of the rumors claim, you know, Grace, whatever her name is, says it's Grace. Why would you do that if, 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 why would you put that magazine thing in there if you're erasing things? That, you know, yeah, sure, maybe Justice League is erased. That I can believe. Or it didn't happen. Possibly. But to put that capital bombing in there, that to me says a version of BBS 
occurred? Sure. I mean, that's very specific. It doesn't just say bombing. It's capital bombing. And yeah. they they wouldn't likely be using such wordage if it wasn't meant to invoke what we saw in BVS. Right. So a lot of interesting questions uh, with these leaks here. Um, and so I'm fascinated. I, I mean, like my look, I, you know, Chris, I'm I'm super hyped for the Batman. Like I can't wait to finally see that. And, but but I'm at a point with the Batman where like, and again, maybe I'm jumping again, but I know it's I can tell it's going to be pretty damn fantastic. Looks pretty good. Um, so, but I'm more intrigued and anticipating both the Flash and Batgirl because of the unknown and the what does this all mean of it all. Sure. Um, and before we move on to Batman 66, if I recommend listening to the latest BBF, BOF social hour because Bill, who is the founder of BOF, and he's posted I'm pretty this, sure I've listened to that one. Yeah, and he's posted this on Twitter, so I'm not stealing anybody's thunder. But on that show, he inferred that there are more Bat-related projects or DCEU projects in addition to Flash and Batgirl for Michael Keaton's Batman. Well, that lines up with rumors that we've heard ever since he was cast in The Flash. I remember immediately hearing that yeah, he was Nick going Fury to take on a, a Nick Fury role in the yeah. universe. Yeah. So, so of, of course, that leads you to believe that they would develop more projects while they while they have him. I'm trying to think now. See, my mind is now going <laughs> like we haven't even gotten these two yet. But I'm already like, all right, if he's coming back beyond those two, what's it for? Now, the Dick Grayson stuff leads me to believe that if there's a Nightwing film, he's going to have even a small part in that. Sure. Why wouldn't he? Right. And you've got to believe, to me, oh, by the way, another magazine um, cover from the set of Batgirl references the Court of Owls. Uh, right. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking, this is just me thinking. So there's a Nightwing film, and then there's a, a, another film with Keen's Batman, Nightwing, and Batgirl. They can call it Gotham Knights if they want. Have them like investigating the Court of Owls, the three of them. I think that would be fantastic. Yeah. I, like, I'm more hyped for that than, than Keen being the man in the chair in a Justice League movie. Like, give me that Gotham Knights movie. <laughs> like, I take that over, over, you know, I'll take both, but, but you know, <laughs> if I could only choose one. Um, and then, I gotta believe that they're gonna want to have Michael Keaton's Batman interact in some way, shape, or form with Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. Wow, what a pairing that would be. Like, just imagine miserable older Batman having to put up with Harley's crap. Like, how much of a short fuse would he have for that kind of nonsense? I, like, I'd love to see it. Yeah, that I haven't thought of that possible pairing before, but yeah, a wizened older Batman with the like 
um, buoyant yeah. energy of Harley. That's yeah, that would be and like quite she could the even duo. She could even make cracks of like, aren't you too old for this? Or or you know like like nods to the fact that it's a, without saying it's a different Batman. It's you know what I mean. But the que- the question that brings up, let's say they do somehow pair them in a, up in a film, okay? What does that do? Like, what does this universe continuity shift do to Harley's history? Because Harley is tied with the Joker, who is tied right. with Batman. So, right. <clears throat> in this alternate world, in this new world, is the Joker Jack Nicholson? Is the Joker Jared Leto? Jared Leto. Or is it somebody else we haven't seen yet? Because if it's Jared Leto, then the relationship between him and Harley stays the same. If it's Jack Nicholson, potentially, I mean, they could say, I mean, they don't have to say in this new timeline, 30 years has passed. You know, they, they don't have to get specific with dates. But, you know, they don't have to say, the first adventure was in 1989, and now, you right. know, but, but let's pretend that they do want to acknowledge the, 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 the time distance. Let's say Jack Nicholson is, is the Joker in question. Could they alter Margot Robbie's Harley's history? Remember back when Joel Schumacher was supposed to be, make a fifth Batman? And he wanted to make a serious one, and it was going to have Scarecrow, and he was going to have there was a hallucination vision that brought back all the all the past Batman villains, including the Joker, and Harley Quinn would make her appearance. And in this script, she was the daughter of Jack Nicholson's Joker. What if in this altered universe, Margot Robbie's Harley is now? Not the former love interest of the Joker, but his daughter. Would you would you buy that? I guess, but we're in doing this, so that's basically disregarding all of Suicide Squad, the, the original film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. <clears throat> okay, but we're led to believe that Birds of Prey, or at least a version of. Yeah, version Harley of Quinn and the Birds of Prey, Bur- and the Suicide Squad exist. Yeah, did exist because the Suicide Squad really doesn't mention Joker, like he's nope. not even. Yeah, it's more. Well, there's at the very. Oh yeah, you're right. I was. It is in Birds of Prey, not not yeah. in the Suicide. Yeah, Squad. the Suicide yeah. Squad doesn't mention him at all. But but Birds of Prey obviously has that that beginning montage, right, where it talks about him, but. Hypothetically, could you could you buy buy into that if they? Sure, I guess, but that means we're not getting a Joker in this reality because Joker perished is, yeah. thirty years ago. Right. Yeah. Which is kind of a bummer, but if you're using Keaton's Batman, then obviously there's no more Joker. Because I didn't expect, I'll be honest with you, I did not expect to get Joker, like a bat, uh, this Batman and, and a Joker confrontation. Like, that was never on my radar. 
because I just assume, all right, when this thing shakes out, Batman, Batman and Batman Returns will have happened, and then an altered version of BVS, and then, you know, whatever, you know, whatever else they're going to do. So the, the thought of this Batman having to interact with another Joker never crossed my mind. But the thought of, well, they're, I mean, Warner Brothers would be more, like, and again, I don't think they are stupid, but they, they would have to be, uh, how, why would you, like, Margot's Harley is money, is popular. Yeah. Michael Keaton's Batman, I know the millennials and the new kids on the block don't think so, but, but Michael Keaton's Batman is money. The, the, the nostalgia factor is there. Why in yeah. the hell would you not want to pair one of your most popular characters now with one of your most popular characters of the past? Like, to me, it's one plus one is two. So, like I, like I said, the possibilities are, are, are endless. And can you imagine if that, let's say that is the case, the altered, you know, the Jokers. That, can you imagine they pull a George Lucas and they, they do a, they do a, a alternate version, you know, you have, it came with like 50 different versions of Star Wars with additions here and a new thing, you know, like uh, Hayden Christensen was, was edited into the one of the, can you imagine they release an altered version of Birds of Prey where instead of talking about Jerry Leto's version of the Joker, she's talking about, about Jack Nicholson's? uh yeah so that would be the the joker's joker's baby cut yeah i guess yeah there's gonna be a hashtag for that now somebody's gonna do it but yeah i i just it's like the amount of possible that's why flash and background are so interesting to me because the amount of possibilities are are endless and i can't wait to, to watch it all unfold i i really can't and so uh, while we wait, uh, there's plenty of content to talk about. And that's the next bit of content, which is Batman 66. So, Chris, I know that your, your Twitter handle is, is, is very inspired by, by um, Batman 66. So um, we, we've never really talked about it much so what what was your experience with batman 66 like when did you first see it what was your you know what was your first reaction I, to it i remember watching batman 66 the tv show mm-hmm. in the mornings and this must have been and and i was at my granddad's house no, it wasn't in the mornings. It would have been in the afternoon. And it was when I was out of school for the summer and staying at my grandfather's house because he had cable. But mm. they there were only like three seasons of the show, but they would show two episodes a day mm. back to back. And so you're getting 10 episodes a week. So they could fit almost the whole catalog of the show within the three months of summer that we weren't in school. So that that's my recollection and experience, initial experience with Batman the series. As far as Batman the movie, the 1966 version, mm-hmm. I have owned that in some form or fashion my entire life. I had the recorded VHS that was recorded off of the TV. Yeah. I had the purchased VHS. I had the DVD. I had the Blu-ray. I own it on digital. Yeah. So, like, for me, it's very similar in the sense that 
you said you wa you watched it in the summertime, you know, at your granddad's house. I remember, like, for me, the reruns were like an after-school event. Like, every day after school, I think it was like at 4 or 4.30, that show would be on. And it was a ritual that while watching that show, I had my afternoon snack of chocolate milk and cookies. And that was the, you know, that was the, th the thing. Um, the movie, yeah, I've owned various formats of it. I own it on Blu-ray now. But I had the VHS, uh, and I own it digitally as well. Um, now, when I was a kid, I remember that I took those shows so bloody seriously. Like it was like I didn't I didn't realize that there were you know there was tongue in cheek, there were jokes, there were like the corniness of it all. None of that entered my con. It was just oh, there, you know. There's a threat to Gotham City. Batman and Robin got to solve the thing. They get captured, and it's like they're near death at the end of that average first episode. And it's like, I I was legitimately uh, like until the right after when you see the next episode, but in that in between, like when 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 it ends and it's like you know. Tune in next time, and then you, because it was reruns, we get to see it directly after. But right. between that end tag and the opening credits of the next episode, I legitimately thought, that, man, Batman and Robin are in trouble. They may not make it out of this. Thing. Yeah. How are they going to get out of this precarious situation that they found themselves in? Like, it was legitimate. Like, I fully believe, I was 100% behind, you know, like, invested in it. Um... I remember I used to one of the, the, there were two gadgets that I loved that I loved and I and I it was the the utility belt Batman's utility belt was like a, it's like I wanted one of those I I never had one but I wanted one I don't think they made toys of that when we were kids I mean maybe when the show was happening they did but when we were kids they didn't have have that as a as a as a, as a thing you could purchase McFarlane, get on there. Make me a 66 belt. Damn it, I'll buy it. Um, and probably wear it around my house. I won't confirm or deny. Uh, but <laughs> um, but there was that and, and the Batmobile. Like, I love that Batmobile. Yeah. It's my second favorite, still to this day, my second favorite Batmobile after the 89 one. But, um, but I, those were my two favorite Bat gadgets. Um, what were your favorite like gadgets of the series? Well, of course, the shark repellent bat spray from the yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Batman had something for every situation. Oh, yeah. um, while I'm mentioning the movie, one thing I love about the movie is that it has all four bat vehicles in it. You have the Batmobile, uh -huh. the Batcopter, the yeah. Batcycle with sidecar, and yeah. the Batboat. Yeah. Um, but I had a batarang when I was a kid because I watched, like I said, in my granddad's house because he had cable and where I lived, that was the only way you could watch the episodes was they were they were on cable like WGN or some other network in America. Yeah. But I would watch it so much that my granddad in his wood shop underneath the house, he made me a wooden batarang. That's awesome. With, with a rope 
on it. So I would go outside and I would throw it up on the roof and I would try to climb up on the side of the house. And of course it didn't work. Um, I ended up pulling a basketball goal down with it. I threw it up and tied it wrapped around the basketball oh, goal awesome. in my granddad's driveway. And I pulled on it trying to climb up it and I bent the whole basketball goal down and snapped it off. See that Batman's um, tech works, folks. <laughs> it works. So yeah, the batarang with attached rope is my favorite. Plus, that's what they would always use in the scenes when they were climbing up the side of the building, and somebody would poke their heads out of the building and it like was the guest star. Yeah, yeah, the guest star. There. Yeah, yeah, every week. And it yep. was this big. I mean, for that to me, half of those people meant nothing because it's probably they were, you know. But back in the day, when those guys would appear, it was a big deal because it was the star of the, you know. The star of one of the stars of the time, you know, like so. Yeah. Um, and you, people forget how big this show was back in back in when it aired. Like even like we weren't there, but we, you know, you you read up on it, and like you you realize that Batman, the products for that series, were everywhere. Like lunchboxes, action figures. I've seen on one of the you know the, the 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 toy shows they had like this this Batman cowl it was this big thing that you pull over and and I'm assuming that a lot of people had those and uh, what what people fail to understand is that at the time of the premiere of the show the the sales for the Batman title like Batman proper not Detective but Batman were quite low and it was on the verge of cancellation but the popularity of that show the ratings and the popularity of that show saved the the comic book like it kept it in print due to the popularity of the show yeah with that renewed enthusiasm for the character you know next time little Johnny's at the discount drugstore with his mom and he's looking at the magazines on the spinner rack, you know, he's like, Oh man, I love Batman. I just watched him last night on my TV. So now I'll grab a magazine. And it's, you got to give them credit for the, the costumes that were present in the series. Look, they weren't using the, you know, like nowadays they have different high tech materials, you know, high end, not high tech, but high end materials to make these costumes. But back then, that was some comic accurate stuff for back in the day, like in the 50s and sure. 60s. That's what Batman, Robin, and Batgirl looked like. Like it was comic accurate. Um, yeah, and you got to appreciate that. Um, I loved the. So, which who of the series? I, I probably can guess your answer, but of the series, who is your favorite? Like your favorite villain? Oh, Caesar Romero's Joker. Yeah, I, I I knew that. He's so it's such a it's such a joyful, energetic performance. Um, I love the makeup over his mustache. Yeah, yeah, because like he, he refused like, to shave. You ain't shaving my. <laughs> Um, it's the Henry you know, Cavill situation before they had tw- $25 million to digitally remove it. Um, but yeah, any episode with Joker was... Cl- I love I love Egghead and Olga 
Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. They were great whenever I was a kid. Um, you know, I knew Vincent Price from Thriller with Michael mm. Jackson, you yes. know? So when I saw him on Batman as a kid, I'm like, oh, that's the Thriller guy. That's so mm. awesome. So always liked Egghead and Olga episodes. Yeah, I, I mean, Joker is obviously the absolute favorite. Um, for sure. Uh, for me. But that show put Riddler on the map for me. Sure. Uh, for sure. Frank Gorshin, what a wonderful performance. Like, like that. I mean, you, you, you can't say enough good things about his performance. And I um, even enjoyed John Astin's appearance as the Riddler. Yeah, yeah, because, uh, yeah, 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 that's true, because they're changing, because I think it was an availability issue. Yep. Um, and then, but I really liked Mr. Freeze, and what got me was that, like, you think about it now, it's the most ridiculous thing, but he had this ultra cool side of the room, and the other side of the room was ultra heated for his henchmen because it was too cold for them to, and like the distinction was essentially a deep blue light and a deep red light. And that, that's how you know where he was. Like it was such a, like it was so hilarious. Um, their use of color on that show, yeah, they, yeah. they always did a really good job with their, it, the color palette of bringing the set to life. Yeah, and that's what that's what got me with the Batgirl costume image from Leslie Grace. So, like, it instantly hit me. I'm like, oh my god, they went there. Like, it's not the exact same color, but it's it's goddamn close. Sure. And I'm like, you know, they, I'm, props to them for for going there because with, with DC adaptations pre 2017, you know, you're used to that muted color tone because right uh, that's Zack Snyder's vibe for the DCU but it's like wow there's color and it be between watching Peacemaker and then seeing that image back to back it's like oh it's like a color explosion here <laughs> but um but yeah the, the use of color was great um I even liked you know who made me laugh I I, I and I enjoyed even King Tut King Tut sure yeah, yeah. I love some King Tut False face to me seemed like a precursor um, to Two-Face and Clayface, kind of like a mix of the two, or a forefather of the two, I should say, not a mix. Okay, I can see that. Right? Um, uh, he was always an interesting villain because he could be anybody, right? Like That was the idea, that, that he could be anybody, um, which I liked. Um, and look... The cat woman, uh, cat women on this show and in that movie. I mean, look, even as a little four, five, six year old, I was into them back in the day, you know, like. Yeah, dude. I didn't know what having a crush on somebody was, but I had it on them, I'll tell you that. Lee Merriweather in the 1966 Batman movie may have been my first crush as a For me, it was Numar because. because um, I saw the series before the movie. So Julie Newmar was my, like, and by the way, yeah, she's on the Hall of Fame list. So for Donnie here, I'm doing, I'm doing a pen thing. Uh, right. uh, but yeah, um, I, I saw her first. So she was always the, but yeah, I mean, Lee, her, Lee was great too. And, and you know, 
I even think that Eartha Kid did a fantastic job. Oh yeah. I thought she was great too. Um, and again, for all those people that are like, well, you know, you see it on you see it on social media and, and it still baffles my mind, you know, like that we see this stuff. But when Zoe Kravitz was was cast, most people were happy because she looks like the year one version and even better, she's a good actress. Right. Zoe. That's important. But but you know, you're always gonna get the idiots. Catwoman isn't black. But like I said, go look at year one, go look at Darwin Cook's Catwoman, and then come and talk to me. But secondly, 1966 was doing that was doing was doing that before, you know, before you, you, the internet was around to disparage it. Like and and she fit and the Halle bill. Berry too. Don't yeah. forget oh, yeah, Halle, Halle Berry. Yeah, of course. But what no, my point was Eartha Kid did that first. And yeah. her performance exuded the tone of what we came to expect of Catwoman on that series. And when I was a kid, guess what never crossed my mind? Two things never crossed my mind. When you watch the movie, then the series, it's like Wait a minute. It's not the same person. That never crossed my mind. It was just, oh, there's Catwoman. And then not once when I want when Eartha Kid took over did I say I didn't sit there and why is she black? Like it was like, okay, that's Catwoman. No. You just took it as it was yeah. presented to you. But, and like, you just assume that's the way it's supposed to be. The beautiful simplicity and, 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 and naivete of being a kid is you don't ask these stupid questions. It's only when we become adults that some of us get spewed to absolute stupidity and, and then we come up with these, this nonsense. But I, I think all three of them were fantastic in the role. And what to me, what was special was the chemistry that Adam West had with the three of them. Like all three, he had fantastic chemistry with, I think. Well, Adam West is he's a legend right absolutely absolutely and he puts so much effort into this role he is playing it so straight yeah yeah. in a show that is completely wacky off the wall even the camera angles at times were presented to, to throw you off balance um but adam west like you said his his acting and his uh, chemistry with all of those actresses is the reason that you buy into it and you yeah. accept it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you talk about I mean, he was so good at playing it straight, but the, 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 there's a scene that really shows off his ability as an actor. And that to me is the scene where Commissioner Gordon calls both Batman and Bruce Wayne and has them talk to each other. And so he's alternating between Bruce Wayne persona and Batman persona. Now, the voice, there's a slight change, it's slight inflection. It's not gravelly, you know, throat disease. It's not Uh, a Christian Bale. Yeah, it's not throat disease, Batman, but, you know, there is a slight change. Um, But, but just the, like to be able to do that in a scene where you're all like you're playing 
two people and you, you know you're sharing a conversation with the commissioner Werner as well as your it's it's crazy like the amount of work he had to put in for that scene I'm like yeah this guy could act like there was no doubt about it and he was so he was just like you said the the, the sheer straightness that he played like he never winked at the audience like nope he never he never he never treated because he knew he knew that it had to play for kids and, and adults for it to work it had to play to both but what i like about it he never winked at the kids you know what i mean like it's never it's never like you watch it and he's winking at the audience saying yeah we know this is ridiculous like he like i said when i watched it i really believed that they were in peril and yeah, things sure. might not end well for them. So, and that's part on him and Dick Ward's performance. Uh, Dick Ward, uh, Bert Ward, Bert Ward. Sorry, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, and even he was, you know, I mean, he was the he channeled the, the early Robin era. Like that was pretty accurate for the early appearances of Robin. So, um, yeah, you gotta give credit. And I don't think we've ever had a bad Alfred, and this show gave us a pretty good one too. Like. Yes, he was the butler, but I love that he got into the mix of things and helped with certain missions too. Sure. In the in the movie, he when when Batman is going undercover as Bruce Wayne and he is with Catwoman who is undercover as Kitka and neither of them knows who the other one is. Well, Alfred and Robin are following them in the Batmobile and Ro- Alfred's got a got a like a, a mask on around his eyes yeah. obviously you can still tell who it is but yeah he he jumps in in the missions every now and then and there was a, a couple episodes where he actually dressed up as batman which was fantastic too right so um yeah like he wasn't just the butler like he he got involved like right from you know and, and we've all I, I think uh we've all alan napier was fantastic and we've always had a really good uh, Alfred throughout all the portrayals. I think the Commissioner Gordon of this series was relatively useless, as was Chief O'Hara, sure. but that was the point. It's like, let's get Batman in here as quickly as possible. So I get why they played it that way. Um, you know, Well, if the Commissioner was too good at his job, then they wouldn't need Batman and Robin. Right, exactly, exactly. And uh, so, no, I... I have such fond memories of this series. Um, I still find it immensely watchable and enjoyable. Personally. It's so it's so bright and energetic and fun. It's it's classic, you know, it's something that you can throw on any time. Now you're probably gonna have to watch two episodes because they were mostly filmed yeah, that way where yeah. one episode leads into the next one. Um with that, you know, and you laid out the four, the the blueprint for that earlier, where at the end of the first episode they're in some sort of peril, and you have no idea how they're going to escape. But then the second episode they're out of it within the first thirty seconds, Except and then they're to onto the plot. Yet to wait a, a day, right? When it originally aired. Oh, when it originally aired, right? And uh, whereas, you know, uh, that would be imagine, imagine if followed the formula of a regular TV show where you have to wait a week. Can you imagine as a kid, it's like, wait, 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 wait a week, seven days to find out what happened. That's um, that's unheard of. But yeah, that would be kind of interesting. But uh, and you know, I love that there's been a resurgence of Batman sixty six 
in recent years. Like there's comic books now. Yep. Um, there were those two animated movies that we got with Adam West and Burt Ward before Adam West uh, uh, sadly passed away. Oh, um, my son loves the one with Two-Face. Yeah, yeah. And, and what a joy to get Shatner and, and Adam West acting opposite each other. And, and think about it. For a 60s era, Two-Face, he's pretty perfect casting. Um, you know, I'm, I'm watching through the Wayans Brothers on HBO Max, and Adam West was a guest star on an episode that yeah. I saw just a couple days ago. And I'm like, oh, man, that brings back so many good memories. That, that's but, awesome. You know, he was able to he was able to work off of that for the rest of his life. You know, he even when he guest starred when he was the mayor on Family Guy up until the time of his passing, he was the mayor of Quahog and yeah. lent his voice to that episode, even, you know, in his later years. Now, have you ever read any of the comics? The Batman 66 comics? Yeah. I have not. Nope. Oh, we'll, we'll have to fix that. We'll maybe maybe we'll go through some of them on this on this show. Maybe sure. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll that'll be our, our ode to sixty six. We'll go through some of the comics and and remember just before we wrap up here, the Batman series of nineteen sixty six gave us the first superhero crossover, if you remember, with the Green Hornet. That's right, and Cato. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, the Avengers, Avengers was great, but without... Well, Bruce Lee guest starring on Batman was like a huge deal when yeah, it happened. Very, very huge, yeah. It was big. It was big. Um, and there's also, I remember... there's also a comic by Kevin Smith, uh, Batman Meets the Green Hornet. So maybe right. we'll start with that one. We'll start with that one and then go through the 66 uh comics but yeah but yeah just i mean so i'm so like i said i'm so glad that people have come to a point where now they're appreciating that version of batman whereas there were years there where you know if you were a batman fan you'd kind of distance yourself from it because it wasn't the cool thing and even dc at one point kind of distanced themselves like they didn't mention it they didn't but now it's full swing you got action figures you got like i said comics yeah, animated movies. So, um, I'm I'm glad that it's been embraced again, and it it's taken its rightful place in 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 Batman history, um, because without it, we I don't think we get all the cool stuff that we, we that we've gotten today. Well, it was it pretty much laid the groundwork for. The shows that came after it, like uh, Wonder Woman and The Incredible yeah. Hulk. Yeah. You yeah. know, I don't think either of those, the, I don't think those shows happened without the success of Batman before them. Yeah, that's that's very true. So, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I love the series. I still do. I, I can watch it at any time, which is great. And uh, it was cool to... Uh, to look back, and it seems like we're going to have some more, uh, uh, some more focus on upcoming episodes regarding Batman 66. So look out for those comic reviews, and uh, we hope you enjoyed our, our, our look back and a little mini retrospective on the uh, the series. 
but uh, if you want to talk about uh, the Batgirl info with us or uh, the look back on Batman 66, you can on social media. So, Chris, where do they where do they track you down? Well, I'm on Twitter at Chris N. Harrelson, or you can just do a search, as you alluded to earlier, for Commodore Schmidlap, that name coming, of course, from the 1966 Batman movie. Um, but, you know, when we put, we'll post about the episode in the Facebook group, and if you have any comments there, we'll be happy to have a conversation. Yeah, and for me, if you want to, uh, if you want to, um, Follow me on Twitter. It's at Adam underscore Leafs fan. The podcast Vidcast Network has its own uh, Twitter handle at MMNPDC. As Chris alluded to, we do have a Facebook group. It's listed in the description below. Click that and I will add you <coughs> to, the, uh, to the group and we can continue the conversation there. But remember... Until next time, Batman 66 is forever. From the first time Batman and Catwoman shared a milkshake to the last. So long, everybody. Bye, everybody.